From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. Are you tired of doing the same workouts day in, day out? Well, check out the Peloton app. Wherever you are, whatever your mood, the Peloton app has something for you. Lunch hour power walk. Park Pilates. Beach yoga. The Peloton app has it all. Try it today. Download the Peloton app and get your first 30 days free. New paid memberships only starting at $12.99 a month after trial unless canceled. Terms apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I am Mary Beth. And this week we are talking Your Friend to the End 2.0, a COVID slasher, space politics, the final season of a terrific show, and Lexi is irredeemable, change our minds. I can't wait to talk about that bitch. I know she's a child, but... (laughs) Should be tried as an adult. Look... I'm not saying it, but I am saying it. Oh. Anywho, but before we get there, I know that we watched a couple of the same movies this week because Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, there's so much coming out in January. Remember when January Girl. was for bad movies and now every goddamn movie known to man is coming out this month? 
Seriously, a little sausage making, folks, but like trying to Tetris in all of the like, okay, this sounds like like a humble brag, but trying to Tetris in all the guests because they all have movies that came out literally within days of each other this month is headache inducing because so much so much movies come out. I, I can't so, even speak. So much movies come out. <laughs> I can't even speak. But, like, correctly. It's so true, and like I like it's. I know you. It's like sounds silly for us to complain because it's, it's like a, it is a good problem to have. It is. But it feels like oh my god, there are so many movies to promote, and we want to make sure like we're giving everyone the love that they deserve. So get ready for some awesome content this month. Yeah, which is awesome. But yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. <sighs> but it's um. A lot. Two movies came out, or are either have no, they've come out with the by the publication of this. Both have come mm-hmm. out, uh, but the first one, Your Friend to the End, two queer icon, queer icon, dance icon, friend to the end icon. I mean, she literally wants to be your friend to the end, unlike Checky, who says he does, but then doesn't. She, then, yeah. uh, to the detriment of society. <laughs> wants to be this little girl's friend to the end uh boy megan what did you think i loved it yeah i i think i think akila cooper is and james wan because they they work together on a lot of this stuff but i think that she really like is tuned in to what they're both tuned into like what people want in horror and they're not afraid to make fun entertaining yeah. horror I think, like, yeah, there's a lot going on in here that you can talk about, like, a relationship to technology and, like, parenting and stuff. But first and foremost, this is meant to be, like, a fun, wild-ass experience. And I think we've talked about, I think we talked about this a little bit on our Best of 2022 episode about, like, the pendulum swinging again Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with horror. And I think Megan is, like, the first kind of, again, like, the first of this year because it was the, one of the first movies to come out this year, to show, like, yeah, we are looking, we are still swinging towards, like, people wanting entertaining horror movies. I mean, like, I'm not a box office nerd, but, it, I mean, like, the box office numbers were incredible. The movie oh, yeah. was made for, like, a pretty low budget for what it was, and it And overperformed. All... And, like, I think that is showing how much people want to go to see horror and how, like, a marketing campaign like this works. But I'm, like, going away from what I was, like, me liking it. I had so much fun. I was laughing. I was gasping. She sings Sia as a lullaby. I almost fucking lost my mind. She plays Eminem's toy soldiers on the piano. Like, it's just... When she walks into the house with the sunglasses, I almost, like... I was gonna... I, like, thought my, like, brain was gonna explode. I'm like, I knew that was gonna happen, like, obviously in the trailer. But just, like, the context of it happening, it's just, like... This is... I'm so glad that this movie is happening and it's in front of me on screen. My my only complaint, and I typically don't have this complaint about PG thirteen movies, but I do have a I do have a complaint of when a movie was supposed to be and then got toned down a bit. I yeah. do think I I completely listen. I completely understand why it was PG thirteen, especially after the dance went viral. A lot of young people picked it up and started loving it. Understand. I am really excited to see if there is an unrated cut or an R-rated cut or whatever they're going to release. I'm excited to see what that adds to it because I do felt that it lacked a little punchiness in terms of the violence. There's one moment that I really liked that involves like a car mm, and mm-hmm. the doll. 
And I was like, oh, okay. And that was one of, like, the first big kills. And I think it starts off strong. But then when you get to kind of, like, the climactic parts and things that they showed in the trailer that I feel like were too much. The but trailer I get, shows too much, too. It, it does. Like and I think that's... Every kill. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's the problem. So it's... And, like, I feel like they started off really strong, but they didn't really do a payoff. And again, I understand it's PG-13. They did a lot for a PG-13 horror film, but, like, I just... It didn't have as much of, like, a horror impact as more of a kind of, like, darkly funny satire to me than anything else, which I don't mind. No, I don't I mind I still either. had so much fun with it, but I think... And from what it sounds like, like, the intention... Like, the intention was to have a bloodier cut, but mm-hmm. in terms of marketing. And again, like... It is smart. They probably made me even more money because of that. Like, there were kids in my screening. I saw yeah, it at sun- on a Sunday night. <clears throat> there were kids. I sat next to a kid. She had a blast. It was awesome. She was good. covering her eyes. She was laughing. I was like, hell yeah. That's, That's good. Yeah. There were a lot of teenagers, which is like, I did not miss teenagers in a movie theater. But I, uh, at the same time, I was like, well... They're not that bad, and they're having fun, and I love that they're having fun at a horror movie. So, like, yeah, I'm, I, I like, like you kind of set off the top. Akila Cooper is just, I think she is the one to watch. Her so far between Malignant and this, she's in a nun too. I can't wait to fucking see what she has with a nun too. Like, I never too. thought I'd be that excited for the nun too, but fuck, between her and Bonnie Aarons, I'm like, all right, I'm all in. Why yeah, not? I do think the problem with the first nun was that it didn't lean into the camp as much until like the very end, and then it felt like a little too little too late. Um, yeah, because we have what's her is it Taisa for me? Yeah, Taisa Farmiga as our as our nun spitting the blood of Christ into a demon's face. Like, oh god, it's so beautiful. Good. It's but that was about like it. It's like I wanted more of that energy throughout, and I feel like that is yeah. kind of the energy that Akila will bring to it. I know. I'm super stoked for that. So um, that's this year, right? Yeah. And listeners, if you haven't listened to our episode with Akila from last year, you should go do that. We talk about Pumpkinhead and it's a great episode. It's really good. She's she's like the nicest person. I love her. Mm-hmm. I want her to do well and succeed yeah. because she was so nice. But yeah, Megan is fun. I, I like, look, it's not like, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm already saying this. It's not going to crack a top, a top movies of the year for me. Mm-hmm. Like I, sorry, I'm already thinking that way, but mm-hmm. there's so much coming out this year, and I think it has like it's it's really important in terms of cultural impact for fucking sure. It's just like it's not, and I don't think it wants to be that. I think it wants no. to have a cultural impact, and I'll remember this movie all oh, the yeah. time. So like it, it accomplished its goal, and I Absolutely. love that for all of them. And watch yeah. Housebound. The director of Megan directed Housebound. So if you haven't seen that movie. Uh, it's fucking incredible. Uh, it's so fun. I rewatched it this weekend and I was going to talk about it. We had a lot to talk about. Yeah. I knew you, I wanted to, I wanted to bring it up because I knew you had watched it. So I just wanted a little, like a little, like watch that movie because it's so good. You've seen it? Yes. Steve and I watched it a long time ago. We were like, oh, this looks fun. And I I was like, wait, this movie's fucking incredible. It is. (laughs) I know not enough people talk about it. No. And it's a lot of fun. Um. I think he's a really good director. Uh, I think he handles both materials incredibly well. But Housebound is a blast. Uh, it's totally a huge it. blast. Yeah. If you're looking for something like it's it's fun, it's funny, it's creepy. It Yeah. So definitely check that out. But yeah. Megan. 
Yeah. Do it. Continuing with this, though, the other thing that we both have seen that is out as of the drop of this episode is the COVID slasher. What did you think about Kevin Williamson, his return to slashers with Sick Mary Beth? Oh, I really liked it. Yeah. Like, me too. I, I had heard a lot of really good things about it out of TIFF. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't see it, but I know that a lot of people like really enjoyed it. And the, that the COVID stuff was used really well. Mm-hmm. And I am was like, oh, fuck yeah, a COVID slasher by Kevin Williamson? Like, sign me up, man. Like, so cool. And I think, I don't want to give anything away. It's brutal. It's, it's, it's got some good fucking moments in it. And I think they used the COVID backdrop in a really clever way. Uh, a really clever way. But again being careful with what we say just like it is a good fucking kevin williamson slasher um incredible some of the best moments again it's early in the year but some like incredible moments that i think are gonna really stick in people's brains for this year i'm sad it's just getting dropped on peacock like rather unceremoniously i'd much rather see this in a movie theater i would that was that was my takeaway it would be so much more fun in a theater with people because, like, yeah. I watched it at home, obviously, like on my iPad, and I really and I really enjoyed it. There's some some of the kill sequences, or like not even kill, like chase sequences, are really incredible. I think it's a really cinematic movie, especially because there's only two char- like, there's three characters for most of the movie, and you know with slashers, there's typically higher body counts, but like I think in limiting the body counts, I think it ramps up tension in a really interesting way, and I liked how. They kind of worked around isolated single location with a small group of people in a really clever way that doesn't ever feel boring. Yeah, well, I and I, I credit a lot of this film's success, honestly, to the director, John Hyams. Yeah. Um, who yeah, yeah, directed yeah, yeah. Alone from 2020, which was one of my favorite movies from that year. He has a knack for capturing tension and he the opening the opening uh cold open the cold open kill oh uh, good a portion of it is filmed in a a long take pretty much and it's brutal it's very kinetic i would say that this movie for a movie that is set mostly in one location is very kinetic there's a lot of a lot of changes he uses the environment incredibly well um, from the outside of the house to the inside of the house, like this, no place is left unturned in this, uh, in this film. And he brings such an energy to it that I think I, it makes me sad that I'm not seeing this in a movie theater with a bunch of people. Like that yeah. is what I, when I was done, I was like really sad that I was watching this downstairs in my basement, watching it on a TV, which was nice. But like, I was like, I really wish I was seeing this in a movie theater because yeah, John Hyams, he can direct the shit out of it. And it just, I had a blast. I I think it kind of falls apart a little bit with some of the reveals, but um, I don't know. Oh, like, man, I, I loved it. I thought it was wild. I was yeah. like, all right, that's fucking cool. Again, we won't spoil it, but yeah. some of the reveals are like, oh, wow. So it's really good. I'm, I mean, like, on one hand, I'm glad people, like, more people can see it on Peacock, but I also think, like, this does deserve a bigger release. I think it is really well done. COVID slasher. I think it does a lot of really cool stuff. I think it swings for the fences for a lot of, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And I love that, how ballsy it is. 
mm-hmm. and how it tackles COVID stuff and how it uses this stuff. And I think it's just, and there's some like incredible kill sequences. Like it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. One it of the final shots is fucking incredible. Reminded me of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Anyway, that was It's sick. good. It's sick. Sorry. <laughs> I made that joke in my head earlier and I had to say it out loud so I never say it again. <laughs> um, But I want to hear about the final season of a terrific show. I know what this is and I'm so excited to hear about it. A show that I still need to watch. I'm sorry. You and Joe you do. Day into doing Gosh, it. Gosh, darn it. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, See, Servant, the first episode of the final season, is dropping today as of this episode's release. It is out. It is starting with a bang. I'm not going to... I, I don't... When we're four seasons deep, I just want people to go watch the show and not... Yeah. I can't spoil it. But I will say that this episode, or this season, opens with an episode that is basically a 25-minute extended cat and mouse... Uh, like fight or flight moment where the main character is alone and there are some really apocalyptic shots of people just like standing suddenly outside of a car staring at her kind of zombie imagery but also like end of world imagery going on here she's hiding in a car that uses a lot of this car thing where like the camera is zooming inside and out the people are trying to get into the car she is trying to escape like it is a 25-minute chase sequence that is just a perfect start to this final, final season. I've seen the first three episodes, and the third episode is a little, a little meh, I'm going to be perfectly honest, but those first two okay. are incredibly good, and I am so excited to see where this is finally going to conclude with, because this is apocalyptic, it is family drama, it is... It's a lot. There's a lot going on here. I won't lie to you. I still don't fully understand what Servant's about, but I think that's the point. It sounds like a movie that... Not a movie. I've watched the first half of the first season. I really liked it. It was just, like, unfortunately, like, a victim of my poor attention span. Um, mm-hmm. That Not to speak to the quality at all. And, like, I kind of... Like, obviously, I was like, all right, cool. It sounds like it goes absolutely fucking ape shit, and I'm so excited to finally watch it, because I'm like, what in the... How did they cover four seasons of content with what I thought this was? And I've I've purposely avoided so much, because I really want to watch it, so, like, I don't look at anything. I avoid as much as possible. So I don't know anything about what the fuck is happening. Um... And I love that, and I'm very excited to experience whatever is being delivered. <laughs> and 90% of the show takes place in this one location. The house? Like, the we house? Are, yeah. The apartment? Or yeah, not the apartment, that's the like the giant house. Yeah. Oh, it's so like, and each season adds a new area to the house. Like, that's like in terms of like... Shit. <laughs> so like... It starts out and it's very claustrophobic. And then by the second season, we're up in the attic. In the third season, we're sort of broaching outside of the house a little bit and inside the walls a little bit. And this one opens up a whole other location that didn't know was part of the house. And there is, without spoiling anything, there is a character in here who is played by the old woman in Honeydew. 
Oh, fuck. How do you do? Oh, my God. I am a... Barbara Kingsley. She is playing a character that shows up in this, in this, and uh, she's having a lot of fun in the two episodes that I've seen her in. Oh, man, I want to rewatch Honeydew now. That movie rules. The movie does rule. But yeah, it's really good. I think it's going to be an exciting conclusion, and I cannot wait to see where it's going to go. If you have not watched it, please. And if you are watching it, follow along with Joe Lipset and I. We are recapping each episode. And the first one will be up, so. Are you guys doing the written ones that you usually do, or are you doing mm-hmm. audio? No, oh. written ones. Hell yeah. We've that's written awesome. so many pages. I think we've written basically a book on this show so far. Uh, yeah, so that's Servant. What about uh, Space Politics? So I finished Andor, finally. I know, oh, I'm like very right. behind. I haven't watched but it I finished. Um, I, I love Star... I grew up watching Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I've always loved Star Wars. I have been very burnt out from Star Wars. I have not been, like, I don't watch The Mandalorian. I didn't, like, I don't watch a lot of, like, the spinoff stuff. Just because mm-hmm. they're, at this point, there's so much content. Um, so, when I heard about Andor, which is the prequel series to, um, a prequel series. Hold on, how do I explain this? Okay, a prequel series about Cassian Andor, who is a main character in the film Rogue One. Which is a prequel to the f- to a new hope, yep. not a new hope. Is it yeah. a new hope? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you tired of doing the same workouts day in, day out? Well, check out the Peloton app. Wherever you are, whatever your mood, the Peloton app has something for you. Lunch hour power walk, park Pilates, beach yoga. The Peloton app has it all. Try it today. Download the Peloton app and get your first 30 days free. New paid memberships only starting at $12.99 a month after trial unless canceled. Terms apply. I always get the original three mixed up. I'm sorry, everybody. I just watch them all the time when I was little. But yeah, so it's a prequel to New Hope. So this is a prequel to a prequel, which is about Cassian Andor and how he became a rebel spy, basically. And... I fucking loved it because it's it's not like epic space battles, Jedi battles. It's not mm. like this big, like, it's not about, like, these Jedi and Sith and good and evil. Like, it's good and evil. But what I love about this one is it's, like, it's what I love when you take a big world like this and put a very personal story. Or not personal, but, like, a very specific story. Like, because this is not just about the world of Star Wars. It's about um, the price you pay for rebellion and what it Mm. means to be a rebel and the sacrifices you have to make. It tackles corporate espionage. It tackles Mm. the Empire has uh, their own FBI. So there's like fucking fascist FBI agents investigating stuff. Like (laughs) it's so it's and it's all about like backstabbing in workplaces and it's like it is just and there's like it's about and then it also like critiques the prison industrial complex and incarceration and colonialism like it's so smart wow i was so surprised 
and like you know there are a lot of really cool fight like there's a couple really awesome set pieces that are obviously about the rebellion but mm-hmm. they're not they're like scrap it's like rogue one scrappy missions basically done by people who don't have space wizard powers they're just people trying to live in this fucked up world that's governed by fascism like space fascism and it's incredible i was so i was like okay well star wars is pretty cool <laughs> so yeah i'm i want i would recommend it to anyone who's interested like especially if you like star wars but you're like eh, i'm not sure like this is a series to watch to kind of like see a different side of that world that we've had in our lives forever yeah so i i keep hearing that this show is really good but like i'll be honest whenever i hear that it goes in one ear and out the other because i've not really been a huge fan of the disney plus uh shows that they've been making yeah um, around marvel and star wars it hasn't really been my cup of tea um, yeah but what you just said like made me really want to start watching it this weekend because that sounds really cool and more intelligent than i was expecting Sorry. It is. And that's, but. again, like, I was super resistant for a while because I was like, ugh. But then people were, re- like, reviewing it and saying things like, this is so, this is, like, the why, like, why rebellions happen. And, like, the people who you see, like, the background of the Jedi battles and stuff, like, this is, like, their lives. Mm-hmm. It's, like, smaller characters and scare quotes, but doing, like, incredible things without being, like having this like magical powers so yeah i absolutely adored it um so check it out on disney plus we we definitely started paying <laughs> i used to share an account with my family they keep changing the password i can't handle it so we wanted to watch andor so bad that now we're paying for disney plus so we could have watched Andor. <laughs> so a worthy investment but oh, yeah. yeah yeah um but speaking of shows we had a lot of tv today we have started the Chucky television series as part of our Chucky series. Finally watching it. I'm so dumb for waiting so long to watch this show. <laughs> Isn't it good? So fucking rules. Why is Don Mancini so good at like capturing cultural zeitgeist? Because like you have the pocket in like the early 90s and you have the pocket of films in the early 2000s and the pocket of films in like the mid 2010s. And now you have the 20, like 2020, 20, like the, the 2020s. Ugh, that's such a weird thing to say. And the way he is able to capture cultural moments and cultural attitudes so well, especially he's an older guy mm-hmm. and he captures teenagers really well, mm-hmm. I, it looks like. And I'm so, like, it's incredibly impressive. What I think that I think. What I think the show does incredibly well is what I think he has shown that he does really well with, which is honoring the past, bringing it forward into something new. And so, you know, we had the original trilogy of films, and then we got a little bit of the camp um, satire of Bride and Seed. We went back to kind of gothic. We went to kind of the 70s with like, um, uh, like psychosexual psycho uh thrillers of the, like the 70s that were really big and now we're into television and we have queer representation like like out fantastic the ass. yes fantastic that's like we gross, have but yeah <laughs> <laughs> Very 
that. I wasn't even thinking that until you said that. Uh. I'm a gremlin. Wow. subscribe to our patreon and see the facial expressions and body motions i did because the sound is funny but the whole package is even funnier so if you're a patron you can see that so this is my plug for our patreon anyway let's talk about the television series but what i like is that this you could look at this as is you can go into this without knowing any of the past stuff now eventually it's going to get a little bit more complicated <laughs> as they start okay. to like introduce more. Yeah. But I like that this feels like a new chapter in terms of we have Chucky back looking like a regular Chucky doll. We have like a kid picking him up. We're like kind of going through when you start to think about it. I mean, we, these first two episodes, we've sort of hit some plot points of the first two Chucky movies. You know, we have the kid having to deal with family trauma Dad's now gone in this. He's dead in the first movie. You know, Andy's mom is is just no longer in the picture for some reason. But then he goes to a foster family. Now we have this kid going to his uncle's family and living with there. And we're kind of progressing similar storyline. But here we have a kid that is absolutely queer. We're following that. There is some great music uh, needle point needle drops in here. There's this moment where his father, played by Devin Sawa, who plays multiple characters in this, is destroying his weird ass sculpture and we get madeline dukes how villains are made playing oh, while so good. we're seeing that we're seeing jake's rage we're seeing chucky we're seeing all of this kind of go together and it's just this fantastic moment that television especially teen television television can do really well when they use a lot of um up-and-coming musicians and in music needlepoint drops and i think it's so good in this i agree i think I think it uses music really well. And mm-hmm. I think it's also, it it treats kids like they're smart. This isn't trying to be like CW stuff that is like, it's like, like exaggerating. Like, there is exaggeration, obviously. It's a TV show. But I think it treats kids and talks about cruelty of children really well. Like, we'll talk, we're going to talk about that bitch Lexi. I'm going to, ugh. I think it's really real about the cruelty of kids, not just like in an exaggerated bullying sense, but like in a very real like ways that kids are treated, I think. I mean, it's been a while, but I think like there is a lot of giving kids a lot more credit than they're often given, especially in television for younger kid television, because these kids aren't high schoolers. They're middle schoolers. Like they are young. Mm -hmm. Like we're not trying to have like 25 year olds playing 18 year olds or like 16 year olds. Like these are kids playing middle schoolers so there is and again like that adds more to a sense of danger but also again shows that like hey kids are cruel no Mm -hmm. like not even just in high school like the cruelty starts early and i think that that's also really important to kind of show that you're treating this obviously it's chucky but putting it like giving a serious tone to it and i think again that's why i love chucky like child's play because it can be funny but it's it takes this, it it prioritizes scary and creepy. Mm-hmm. And again, like, ch- this shit scares me because Chucky doing shit and you trying to claim you didn't do it and no one listens to you, like, that will always terrify me. And that's why Chucky always gets to me. Like, that, this, like, the, that whole shtick is just, like, that's the guaranteed way to make me scared. 
Yeah, and I think that it's it's one thing that the show I think is doing really well, at least in these initial episodes. I've seen the first season, but um, it's always fun to revisit it. But setting up this idea that like you know, um, our main kiddo is is a little is a little weird. Jake, he's weird. He makes <laughs> statues out of doll parts. He is obsessed with true crime. Like he listens to this podcast about true crime. He like he's a little kind of weirdo who now is being thrust in the middle of deaths happening around him that you can't really say that Chucky Chucky did it right and so all of a sudden it's like he becomes potentially a suspect in this and I think we're starting to see that in these initial episodes where yeah. it's really hard it is terrifying it's really hard when there's something that no one is listening to you uh talk about and no one believes you and i think that's what this initial thing is doing incredibly well it's also very vicious like i was surprised it's... that the father is killed in the very first episode and he's now orphaned like, like he's electric. orphaned <laughs> he's orphaned immediately and i also i think what also and this is kind of pinning me in this like solidifying it is like a lot of haunted doll movies the dolls don't really talk they don't seem to display like a ton of intelligence because it's like it's you know chucky's smart Chucky's observing and turning people, like, weaponizing people, like, their weaknesses, like, reading through their phones. Like, Chucky is a fucker. Like, I love him, but he is such an asshole. Like, he's so smart. And that's what's so scary about him, too. Like, there's a scene where it's it's painted as, like, a ventriloquist act at a talent Mm -hmm. show, but it's just Chucky reading everyone. Reading everyone for filth. For filth like Lexi smells her own farts and like wonders why they smell good and like all these like just reading everyone and it's so good and again like this show just jumps right into it so I'm really excited to see where it goes because like we just have Chucky like first episode and first second episode like talking to people and like he go at one point he goes trick-or-treating with a Hello Kitty mask and gives a woman an apple with like a razor blade in in it and like and I'm excited because I think it's the end of episode two, we're getting a POV shot from a young Charles Lee Ray. And so I'm very excited to see where this goes and building a backstory for a young Charles Lee Ray before he was a serial killer. Because we get some allusions to some bad shit happening to him as a kid and him being a weird kid. So I'm very excited to see where this goes. My one complaint about the series uh, uh-huh. is that... It's trying to make Lexi redeemable, and I don't think she's redeemable. She is such an evil asshole. And, like, I mean that... She's a middle school student, so I know that sounds mean. But the actress who plays her, good for her, because she made me want to punch her in the face. Like, Lexi is such Uh a little snot. Like, the meanest, most entitled character you can think of. Like, I... I've known people similar to this. She's, she's like, exagger- like a little bit exaggerated in her cruelty. Like, at a Halloween party, she dresses up as Jake's dad getting electrocuted. And, like, makes a whole scene at a Halloween Starts party. Starts to go fund me. Because he's poor. And threatens her teacher, like, you're just, like, trying to keep me from doing, like, a noble cause. And if you try to take any action, um, I'll sue you. My mom goes to Pilates with this teacher, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you are, like, I don't know. She just sucks. I don't want to feel bad for her. that teacher is queen when she's like oliver mind your fucking business i was like queen shit in class just telling her student to fuck off 
I was waiting for her and Chucky to have a bonding moment because they have the same color hair. <laughs> I was like, are we going to have like redheads becoming friends or something? I, but I know. Yeah. I'm really but digging yeah. it so far. I love how gay it is. We already had the genderqueer kid conversation. Like Chucky being like, I'm Not a serial a killer and I love my kid no matter what. Like with compared to Jake's homophobic dad who like beats the shit out of him for being gay. And Chucky's like, yeah, of course I accept my kid. And it's just like, damn it. Like Chucky, I love how they characterize Chucky. It's just so funny. It's just incredible. I'm like, you really do a good job making this fucking horrible villain have some like weirdly redeeming but not fully redeeming qualities, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Seriously. So. Uh, so I'm excited to continue. Me too. I really want to binge watch it now, so we'll see I know. what happens. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm trying to not because I want to be able to like only remember those two episodes. Because I know if I watch them all, I'm not going to be able to tell this you is which be one a... was which. Mm-hmm. So, I'm gonna have restraint. But I really like it, so. And listeners, you can follow along with us. It is now, it, I believe the first season is on Peacock. As of That's where I'm watching it. As of Thursday, it's all, at, well, as of this episode dropping, it's also on Shudder, the very first season. Oh, that's right. So, I forgot it was going on Shudder. So you can follow along with us. Uh, we're going to watch two episodes a week. So next week, we're going to talk about episodes three and four. If you want to catch up to us and follow along with us uh, as we celebrate uh, Don Mancini's fantastic TV show that has that's better than it has any right to be. You're fucking telling me, wow. Yeah, but I'm who are we talk to talking to on Monday, Mary Beth? Uh, we are talking with Kyle Edward Ball, the director of the viral horror film Skinnamarink. Everybody, get excited! Skinnamarinky dinky um, plug, shameless plug, if you are in the D.C. area and want to see Skin and Marine, come see it tonight, Friday the 13th, at the Alamo Draft House in D.C. on Bryant Street at 9.30 p.m. I'm hosting a screening and doing a little intro. Seats are almost sold out, so wow. buy your tickets now and come hang. Um, yeah. Uh, but we are talking about, it's a little bit different of an episode, it's um, mm-hmm. a smorgasbord of Scarred for Life uh, including the Peter Sherkowski short film Outer Space, which is incredible. And if you want to watch Outer Space before the episode, it's 10 minutes long, um, and it's just a quick Google search. And if not, then we'll put it in the show notes of their episode on Monday. Yeah. We also brought with him, because, okay, so this is the problem that we're going to run into, I think, at in specific points, is that we are now a hundred and how many episodes deep? How many episodes do we have? Hundred. This will be our hundred sixty eighth episode, and there's only a certain number of movies. So, like, I'm afraid we're gonna run into cases where they're not gonna have a movie, and so this time we didn't really have a movie that we hadn't covered, and so we covered um, the Fly a little bit, a little bit of The Exorcist, and then we spent most of the time talking about um, Outer Space. So it's a little bit different, um, but we appreciate feedback in terms of of how we're doing it because we're sort of still figuring out this uh new world that we might be running into a little bit more often yes so let us know and you know what you can let us know and give us that feedback or you can let us know about the things that we watched this week by sending us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or 
talk to us on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. Just teed that one up for you. I'm at that was Gaily incredible. Dreadful. I was so man. I was so proud of that fucking that. Wow, that was incredible. <laughs> top top ten uh, um, transitions. Um, Golf clap. <laughs> and of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And did you know that if you're listening to this on the 13th, the following day is my birthday. So why don't you give us a reading, a review, follow us, uh, join our Patreon. We have content. We dropped uh, an episode on the Orphanage this month. We have content. And you'll be supporting wonderful people like us. That's my birthday, goddammit. Yeah, it's his fucking birthday. Support him, motherfuckers. Um, anyway, thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.